follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. Awesome. All right. We are glad you all could join us, be with us, and we are going to be picking up from where we left off last time. But first, we are going to get our shout-outs out out there we are going to give a shout out to <clears throat> collar and elbow the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast that's the number four capital C in corners capital p in podcast save 10 percent off your order if it's st- i believe it's still going right now and i would encourage you go get uh one of the uh, Brooklyn's Own Beast Chad Gaspard shirts. The proceeds go to his family. Don't use our promo code for it because the proceeds go to his family. But um, if you want some comfortable clothing that happens to have wrestling stuff on it, Collar and Elbow is the place to go. And for our other shout-out, Matt. That would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, Orlando Cologne doesn't have shirts on uh, Collar and Elbow, but he does have shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees, so... You can throw them a dollar or two, I guess. They they might be in a place where that would be helpful right now. You know, I I bought shirts from them and it's been like uh, at least like two weeks and I think they finally shipped. Yeah, it takes a while. With I paid stuff. a lot of money for that shipping. Yeah, I did too. Um, but I got my Diamond Dallas Page shirt, the old school. I got a Diamond Dallas page where it's got the the blue emblem where he's looking through him making the symbol on his hands. Oh, the I WCW that one. Shirt. Yes, I loved that. He's got that on his uh, he's got that on his uh, collar and elbow or on his uh, pro wrestling tee store. Oh, that's so cool. I loved I loved that shirt. All right, so last week we were talking G W. F, and we we all kind of came to the consensus that we enjoyed it, and so we're coming back again. Brad, please set us up. So last week we covered the August first episode, which had the finals of the light heavyweight tournament. That saw Lightning Kid defeat Jerry Lynn, and quite an entertaining match to win the light heavyweight belt. So this week we're doing the September sixteenth, uh, nineteen ninety one episode. This is actually a clip show, which um, when I was picking these, I just went through and like kind of looked at what was on there. And I picked this one because it had like a lot of the the, the players in the, the, the Global Wrestling Federation at the time. So I picked it. And then, of course, Craig Johnson's like, hey, this is some of our best matches. I'm like, oh, well, oops. <laughs> you know what? I'm not I'm not mad at that, though. No, it worked out pretty well. I thought this episode did a pretty good job of like giving you like a feeling of the promotion. Mm-hmm. I think so too. So we kick this off with uh, Wild Bill Irwin defeating Chris Germany in a squash match. I do not know what Wild Bill Irwin was wearing. It looked like some <laughs> zebra. It was print. odd. <laughs> yeah. I remember Wild Bill Irwin from this promotion, and I remember him having, or just coming out in, like, cowboy boots and jeans. Yeah, I do, because he, I, so, so some background is when we were doing this, I actually, before I watched these episodes for the show, I watched the first round of the television title tournament, and he had, like, the getup he used in, like, world class and WCW, like the cowboy getup. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know what happened. He they commented on his change of attire uh, during the course of the match here too. They did. They yeah they were kind of like uh he's he's wearing some uh, different stuff here. So that would be uh, Wild Bill changing it up a little bit. <laughs> and I'm just kind of looking at it going, it kind of looks like Disco Bill to me, but okay. Yeah. Now, uh, I have a soft spot for him. Um, I like the Super Destroyers gimmick. I liked him like when he was kind of like that lower card guy in WCW. I liked him in World Class. Wasn't crazy about the goon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's a quality talent. Uh, it, it is a shame about his brother, though. I don't know if you guys have heard the story. So he and his brother used to tag team. And his brother is Scott Irwin. And um, he passed away in, oh God, was it 86 of a brain tumor? I think I had heard that he, it was a brain tumor. I think I've only seen maybe one, maybe one uh, Scott Irwin match in my lifetime. I've seen a couple. He's he's on a couple of the early, like when Crockett took over um, the world championship wrestling slot. Hmm. But I need to see more of him because Irwin, like Scott Irwin, is supposed to be really good. Uh, Wild Bill's like a quality talent, though. He he did a, he did a good job in this match. I mean, there's there's nothing to be mad at here. No, and I think I think this show and this match kind of shows you the strength of the GWF is because this is a veteran talent talent who can execute well doing like a well-executed squash match. Unlike, um, again, because we just watched it, the UWF were like, everything was just like messed up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. There, there was no, um, like everything here had a purpose and it had a, you know, it had an ending to it and stuff. Whereas, the UWF, it was just like, oh, uh, guess the thing happened. The match is over. Oh, uh, Missy Hyatt's turning on him, even though she wasn't his manager. And <laughs> it was the first show, and we weren't even sure who the face and the heel in the match were. Was and, uh, there's, a, there's a grizzly bear in the ring, like for some <laughs> reason, like that. That's like the UWF. Yeah, it was. So this is what it is. It was a squash match um, to set up Wild Bill Irwin. The announcers did a good job here, I thought, just of talking him up. And obviously the crowd was hot for this because they're familiar with him from World Class and USWA and stuff. So uh, the crowd helped here. So then we go to, um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but right at the end of the commercial break, there was an ad for the GWF hotline. I think I did see that. I was um, th- this episode we watched had ads in it. Um, I was uh, more fascinated by the advertisement for the uh, the debut of Home Improvement starring Tim yeah. Allen. There were a yeah. lot of those. I th- I think I saw at least two. There might have been three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of commercials, this is actually going back to like the first episode we watched. I I was fascinated by. The uh, the commercials for Gino's pizza rolls. Oh yeah. <laughs> which which yes, you're like pizza rolls. Are those like the, the Tostino's pizza rolls? Yes. In fact, uh, Tostino's or whoever the parent company is of Tostino's, like they actually bought Gino's pizza rolls and it became the Tostino's pizza rolls brand. But this is like oh, cool. I don't I never saw these commercials. Or at least I don't remember them. Yeah. I, now I do remember. The, the U.S. Marines one where they're doing, like, the chess game. I, I oh, I remember memories. that one. Yeah. yeah. I had vivid memories of those. So then next up, um, now I'm going to admit here I am a mark for Adrian Street. Um, I think he is a great wrestler. And I love when he pops up. So he beat El Bandolero because one thing the GWF likes doing is having fake luchadors when they probably could have gotten real luchadors if they, <laughs> yeah. like, tried. Ain't that the truth? Wow. This was clearly, like, a, a white dude under a mask. Yeah. 
there, this that, happens yeah. a lot. But so this is pretty much uh, this is pretty much Adrian Street seeing how many ways he can twist a human being before um, getting the the crucifix for the pin. Yeah, it was uh, the the thing that I, in watching this because I haven't gotten to watch a lot of Adrian Street in my time. It you just I haven't crossed paths with him much, but you can tell, dude knows what he's doing and he does a really good job with it and he's got the he's got the rhythm that everything flows together which it seems like a lot of guys just kind of miss out on but i really it was really fun to watch him know what he was doing and his his ring style is not quote unorthodox but it's just different enough that it kind of stands out to you and so I, I really, I really enjoyed watching that. Jim Cornette has a funny story about him getting Memphis in a lot of trouble. Uh, I need to look that one up. The only Cornette story I'm familiar with that involves Adrian Street was whenever he uh, busted his uh, busted his cheek open on the ring apron. Uh, this uh, one involved I don't remember the jobber's name, but it was a it was a it was an African American jobber, and it was like his TV debut. And he jumped in the guy's arms and kissed him right on the lips. And then when the guy, like, reacted, he rolled him up and pinned him. And you have to understand, this is, like, early 80s, like, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. So it caused quite the outrage. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> he, um, where was he, like, most famous? Because at this point, like, with Global, he was already, like, he was, like, 50. So he, he was kind of, like... He got also like the tail end of his career, but kind I of. I think he got. Um, I think he got big in like uh, World of Sport, in like the seventies, and then like for some reason he ended up kicking around like all the southern territories in like the eighties into the nineties. Like mm-hmm. I think if you watch Continental, he's there. He pops up in Mid South. I think he does like Memphis and stuff. Like so, I don't know. I, I know he started in England and then he kind of ended up here. Yeah, he uh, he was around for a long time, and oh, yeah. he's still he's still alive. Like he uh, for a time, I know he he'd had like a wrestling academy, and he also had um, he was also making attire for wrestlers. Yes, he did. He 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 made the attire, and he got a reputation of being really good at it. I mm-hmm. seem to remember something else. Um, I don't know, a number of years ago that he and Miss Linda uh, finally got married, too, if I remember right. I think they've been married a long time. Yeah, because I think... I knew they'd been together for a long time, but I didn't think they'd gotten married. I think they were Hmm. married at this point, because he wasn't... He wasn't... She wasn't valeting him here for some reason. Uh, I will try and look. This, This could be my CTE kicking in, so... But he's just, like, even here, like, with his age, like, he's still smooth as silk, like, when he's doing his moves mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, Adrian Street proposed to Miss Linda in 2005. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Shad, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, again, call on you as someone that's done the wrestling as a person, which we're going to do for the next match, too. So, what... <laughs> What like what is like a worker? What do you think when you see someone like Adrian Street like plying their trade? I watch that and it is a because you know like I said Adrian Street's there there is he's doing everything right but the way he's doing stuff he's got this rhythm and got this flow where it's just it's kind of different than everybody else. I said all this before. And I watch that, and I'm I'm fascinated by it because I'm trying to trying to piece together what it is that's got my attention, and 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 why it works. So in, in doing this, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, and, and the best I can come up with, and this is you, I'm going to say this, and there are going to be people are going to be like, well, duh, no wonder you, yeah, you've been hitting the head a lot when you say this. Um, but it, it's like you said, he's very smooth, and the way that he moves feeds everything into the next thing he does so well 
that I look at that and I go, you know, yeah, I could I could learn something from watching a lot of this guy. He's, is he's um like I said, he's someone like if if you can find stuff like he has stuff on YouTube. He's someone that I think is worth worth um. Yeah, he just he put all the pieces together and just. He just moved through it so well. There was no question that he knew what he was doing the entire time, and it's that's kind of a um, you know that's a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I know he's just out there beating the hell out of this poor guy, but he's not. Um, you know, he's he's out there and he's moving and he's doing stuff, and it's it just it looks like good wrestling you know what else i like about him is like he has all this he's doing all this technical mat work and stuff but then he mixes in some kind of as is as you and i have kind of like called like some of that roughneck wrestling yeah you me and matt have gotten real fond of just uh, of roughneck but like you know uh, he's he's doing all these technical moves but then he'll get the guy in the corner and then he's gonna you know he's not gonna be nice to you in the corner like you're gonna get a fist in the face like you know he's gonna He's gonna give you the business, like he. I, <laughs> I like I like the free. I like that. Give me the business. Um, there was a there was a moment when he he had the guy and he put he he backs the guy into the ropes, and then I don't remember if he was coming off of something or he had his arm and he was stepping under, but he just does that and then he does like this no look back elbow that just. You know the pieces just came together beautifully, and it was it was that 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 right there. I I don't I it's it's such a small thing, but it stands out in my mind. Is he, you know the guy's going into the ropes, and he just he's just kind of moving, and as he turns, he just back elbows the guy before he shoots him off, and it, that that kind of stood out. That small thing kind just kind of stood out to me, and I'm just like, wow, okay. This guy, this guy knows what's up. It was something like you'd see Regal do back in the day. You know, I think it it would it was a little more fluid than what Regal would do, if that makes sense. Like yeah. Regal, Regal, it's not that Regal had like a start stop thing, but Regal had this thing where he would stop and he would kind of sneer at you before he you know punched you in the face or elbowed you in the throat or something, and. Adrian here is just, you know, he just, it's just, it's kind of a step on the path that he's going down right now. He's just like, well, I'm heading this way. Might as well just elbow him in the throat while I set this up. Yeah. It, it, it's almost a very casual kind of violence. It's a, it's a very, uh, practical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our next match, uh, Shad's going to have some words on this one. So. Uh, big bully Busick comes down to the ring and he beats up on Ray Evans. What what I liked here was him. He shakes the guy's hand and like, no sooner do they stop shaking hands that he just like kicks him and starts pummeling him. Mm-hmm. Busick, yeah, he, he was up against Ray Evans. Is have I got the name right? Yeah. Okay. Ray Evans. Yeah, yeah. Matt's Brad's setting me up to. Like I liked, I liked Busick. It's kind of funny because this was this the first appearance of Busick on on their no. TV. No, he had it was appeared, not. He had appeared in a promo, and then he was in the TV title tournament. But I don't remember his first match was against. Okay, so he comes out to the ring, and he's got. He's got the very old school bully thing going with the handlebar mustache, and he's he's not like blowed up. He's not like juiced up big, mm-hmm. but he's kind of burly big, which which I like. You do you don't see enough of that. Um, and he take he takes his cigar and puts it in the tube, and for some reason the camera zoomed in on him putting the cigar in the tube. And in my head, I'm thinking he's going to take the cigar out of the tube and jam it in this dude's face. He never did. It did I, seem like it was going that direction, right? Yeah, and but so we're we're getting this, and and you know, like we'll go back to it. Busick's giving him the business, 
And then I notice just how bad Ray Evans is in the ring. Now, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, and by the way, Big Bully Busick's debut was in the TV title tournament. He beat a wrestler named Jimmy James, who um, is no one of consequence. Okay. So now Which... I, I wanted to ask you did did you know did you realize it was going south before or after Ray Evans went for that kick and just like fell on his butt? Evan, I, I had an inkling because Evans didn't exactly. Like, it felt, I'm looking at, Evans didn't exactly seem to be at home there. Can I can I say from an untrained eye, as the match went on, he seemed to bump like a person that was afraid to bump. Yes, he absolutely did. His bumps looked, it, it, it's, he would, you he know. He would land on his hip a lot, like he was afraid he, to. His bumps looked like shit. Well, they sounded bad, too, because, so to me, okay, now, you can correct me for being, like, not trained or anything, but to me, a good bump has, like, that satisfying thud of someone, like, hitting the ring, and his, his bumps didn't sound like anything because he wasn't, like, getting that full body, like, to the mat contact. Well, that was something that that struck me. I, I I forgot to mention this last episode. That struck me in watching this is how quiet their ring is. Like usually, your ring is louder than this. Like even walking around, it's going to be like because it makes everything sound bigger and it keeps your attention. And it has, everything you do has like this kind of rumble behind it. And it makes it seem bigger and more important. And their ring, when someone bumps properly, they go down. But it's not like um, it's still it's so quiet. You still hear it, but it's not like exaggerated. It's well, it, I wasn't even really hearing. I was hearing a little bit, but um, Evans. I had, head, I had headphones in when I watched yeah. these, so I might have been getting it because I had headphones in. But Evans, okay. He, one of the key ways you can tell someone doesn't bump well is that their feet stay planted on the mat. When they go down, if their feet stay planted on the mat, you immediately go, oh, uh-oh, this isn't good. Because the, you don't want your feet to do that. You want your feet to come up off the mat because, first of all, if your feet stay planted on the mat, you're going to roll your ankle or you're going to break something. Second, when your feet come up off the mat, if the other guy's doing stuff and he runs into your leg or steps on it or something like that, he's not going to break anything doing that way. This dude's feet, both of them stayed glued to the canvas. And like you said, he's not hitting the mat very well. He's he's hitting like kind of towards the side or towards his hip or something like that. And it, it, it looked awful. And then... At some point in the match, he's trying to get over on Busick, so he goes to hit the ropes. Now, I never loved it when Hogan did it, because I thought Hogan ought to know better. But Hogan had this habit of kind of hitting the ropes, like, on his, I think it's the latissimus muscle. Like, he wasn't turned full sideways to it, but Hogan, in a lot of cases, didn't hit the ropes, like, flat back across it, right? I always kind of wondered if Hogan did that because of his height. You you look. I was taller than the ropes in a lot of mine. You just bend your knees and lean back into it a little and bit. Hogan always kind of came off the ropes of that clothesline too, so that kind of like could have been set up too. Maybe, maybe it's not. It, it's not like I'm saying that Hogan couldn't run the ropes or anything. I mean, for God's sake. But it's it it always kind of stuck out to me as as weird. And so. He this dude goes to hit the ropes. Ray Evans goes to hit the ropes. Yeah, this is going to be the first time we hear from someone we talk that we've been talking about on the show. Is this guy's going to be like, "You son of a bitch! How dare you!" Um, he hit the ropes full on on his ribs, and I saw this, and I'm just like, "Ow! What the hell are you doing, man? Because that's going to hurt like a bitch." Yeah, you know, what? 
I don't know who trained this guy that let this stuff go. But, you know, you don't... Nobody... The WWF is the only place that uses ropes because you have to replace them so often. Everybody else used cable. And that that'll snap you right to hell back. And he's he's doing this on his rib cage where it there's no padding there. You so have can to you, can you can you like I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but can you for those of us that haven't actually wrestled a match, can you tell us what it's like hitting cable? Like that a typical you, promotion would use. If you hit it right, it's no big deal. It's really not. The cable is thicker and everybody pads their cable more than they do ropes because it's it's steel cable, right? So you hit it when you hit it like you hitting it's not a big deal. There's a certain way you're supposed to hit it, not a big deal, but cable will like snap you off of it. If you hit it at speed and you go into it, it's going to snap you back off of it. Ropes um I very very rarely did anything on you know actual ropes but the if you hit cable wrong it will punish you for it it will it will teach you that you are hitting it wrong and even when you're training you're still going to be like you're still going to be like oh god because you you haven't really got your callus built up yet you're gonna be like oh god hitting the ropes oh that hurt and it yeah it's gonna hurt because you're learning how to do it properly can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever wrestled a match and just had a bruise like from the cable? And, yeah. Like, figured it early out on. After the fact. Okay. Yep. Early on. So, it... so it's not something. So the cable is something that you respect and you do not tread lightly upon. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's not that it's like out to get you or anything. Ropes will kind of betray you because whenever they go, they just go all at once and it snaps and down it goes. Um. But the cable is going to – whenever you – Arn put it this way. When you're out there wrestling, it never – of everything you can do, hitting the ropes is probably going to hurt the least. But you still have to build up a callus to it in one form or another. You still have to get your body used to it. And so when you're not used to it, yeah, you're going to bruise yourself up hitting the ropes. That's just part of it. But the way this guy did it. Um, he's he his his whole side was going to be bruised for days just from that one thing, and that's why I was so confused by you know. And we've seen so much quality stuff. I was like, what is this guy doing? Why is this guy out there? He can't bump. He can't hit the ropes. You know, I, I started wondering if the bully was legitimately stiffing him for pissing him off. You know, um. You know what's sad though? If Ray Evans had been on that UWF card, he wouldn't even have been like the the fourth. He would worst not have been on that... near the worst. No. No, he wouldn't. Like obviously, um... oh shit, I can't. Samson and the Irish Assassin would have been worse, but there were other guys that I think would have been worse on that show too, like Doctor Feel Bad and. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they at least, like, Dr. Feelgood at least had the good sense not to try. Like, he wasn't any good, but there was a lot of stuff he just didn't do. Do you know, do you know, do you know, I caught myself last week bitching to someone about Dr. Feelgood not coming out to Dr. Feelgood, my Motley crew, and I realized, like, I took that really personally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we all were all kind of like that. Not, not not to go off on that again, but like I thought the whole point of calling yourself that was so you could come out to the mu- to the ring with that music. Like that is the only reason you would even call yourself that. Just give yourself an excuse. And he didn't do it. He, no, he didn't do it. Okay. This is this is a weird story and it's not really gonna go anywhere, but I think it's funny. There was a guy that showed up to work uh, a show I was on. And he didn't normally work for the company I was at. No, not a big deal. Okay, fine, whatever, right? But then, he's, they're like, what music do you use? He goes, I, I don't have it with me. And they're like, well, why don't you just pick something we've got here? And so the the guy pulled the music folder up on their laptop, and he just pointed at something. I'll use that. And 
He made his entrance to the ring to Stacy's mom. Oh, that's a wow. Right? <laughs> that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know why he did that. But there he goes. Wow. Making his entrance cuz Stacy's mom has got it going on. I I would be like what did what the Wow. Yeah, it's like, like, dude, look, I know it's not exactly an inspired choice, but there's Led Zeppelin on here. There's ACDC on here. It's not, no one's going to think it's uninspired. They're just going to think you're basic. Um, Why didn't you pick that? You know, just to go off, just to go in the opposite direction, you know which one's badass if you've ever watched Mid-South? And you have JYD coming out to another one bites the dust, and he's got like the chains on and stuff. I know what you're talking about, but I can't conjure the memory up right now. I need to to pull it up. He had it briefly in WWF, but then because it's WWF, they they had to go to grab them cakes and ruined him. (laughs) Yeah, I'd need to go pull it up and, and watch it again. But okay. Anyway, sorry. I would figure like coming out to like something like Skid Row would make you as basic as possible, or ACDC. Yeah. If 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 you're gonna grab, well, let let's be fair. There are certain ACDC songs that are gonna make you basic. Others you can probably get away with. Ones that that you don't hear as often, you'd probably be okay. But there's some, uh, if you come out to Thunderstruck, everyone's going to kind of roll their eyes. Because they're going to be like, oh god, really man? Is there is there a song in Kentucky like wrestling that would get you insta-heat if you came out to? Like if you wanted to be a heel? Uh, well, Alex Angel using the, um, the bullet for my Valentine did a pretty good job. Okay. You, you would think, okay, this is, you would think that there are some songs that would piss people off. But um, I remember there was one show I was on. The tag champs there made their entrance. Every show made their entrance to a different boy band hit. And it it got over like gangbusters. Because everybody, everybody got such a... Well, I mean, they couldn't dance, but they come out to, you know... Bye bye bye, or it's gonna be me, or um, you know, take your pit. I want it that way. What, whatever. And they come out there, and it's like they're trying to do a bad three count impression, but the people loved it. They thought it was awesome, and so they were always they were over like crazy for that. So it, it's I don't think there's a one particular. The only thing I think that I ever thought no better not do that was someone doing the um wearing blue and white and having the university of kentucky fight song and they'd be like no you're probably going to piss people off because they think you're pandering Uh, okay but that's that's about the only thing i can come up with now i have a i have one last question about ray evans in this match so when yeah. Big Bully Music went to... So part of the storyline that I thought was interesting here, and I don't know if I liked it or not, but they were talking about how he does the heart punch, but he convinced, like, the... I don't know what they called it, but it's pretty much like the championship committee. He con- convinced them that he's not doing a heart punch. Yeah, it was the Bully Blaster. Yeah, and he, <laughs> so he barely got by on, like, <laughs> that- a vote. Is that what it was called? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. This is probably Jack Tunney's fault. I'm going to blame him for letting <laughs> him get away with his vile move. Um, so he went for this move, and um, he kind of does, like, weird stuff in the matches. Like, he'll do this weird pin afterwards to try and obfuscate the fact that, like, he um, he's doing a heart punch, which is kind of interesting. But I thought Ravens had, like, a really wide stance that made him taking the move extra awkward. Yeah, his feet were really far apart, um, which was kind of weird. Now, you notice with the Bully Blaster, though, 
it was not a heart punch. It was more like a clothesline. No, he didn't. He he didn't hit him on the. He hit Ray Evans on the right side. He didn't hit him over the heart. No, he did not. It was. This is weird. So that means that he was right. It's not a heart punch. It's the bully blaster. It just looks like a heart punch because it's an inverted heart punch or a reverse heart punch or something. <laughs> but no, he punched him on the right side instead of the left. But yeah, his he, he had a wide stance. Uh, it stood out. So yeah, this this little out of out of the out of the two episodes we watched, this is the only thing I would say was actively just terrible. Evans was terrible. Uh, the bully, I thought he was fine, but uh, Evans was was bad, very bad. Yeah. So then, so, um, up next we have Bonnie Blackstone with a fan. They don't do a question this time. He just talks about how much he likes the Patriot. Yeah. Um, this was awkward as as hell. So was that that one woman who was like. Well, what do you? Th- who's your favorite? Oh, I like the Patriot. Why do you like the Patriot? Well, he's got a great body and a great look, and no one knows who he is. No, that was that Back was during you. that was during the Patriots match. Oh, okay. That okay. was because this was like a kid. The one, the one was like, um, the one was obviously an older woman talking about his great body, and it got a little creepy. <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. The kid, you have to, kid you have was to weird. This yeah. is, this is this is the sportatorium, so lusty female fans is a is a long time tradition. <laughs> I had forgotten. Cause the quote um to quote JD on the um on the Labs fan when they are doing the world class thing is often you can um you can see the female fans during a Von Eric match just uh wet with need. <laughs> that is some oh, illustration. Oh my god! <laughs> I love the laps fan. Like they, I, if if you haven't listened to it, like you owe yourself to give it a try because they, I, I, they're just, oh my god! Sorry, I just, I just had to repeat that. That is, that is some vivid phrasing. Is what that is. Yes, um, I, I was at my cubicle when he said that, and you know when you're trying not to like, just bust a gut. Yeah. So, uh, up next we have, uh, so Muckin Singh and Rip Rogers defeated Gary Young and Jeff Gaylord. So, we, we found out a little interesting thing about Jeff Gaylord, uh, during the prep for this show. Because sometimes I outside research, guys. Yeah. And sorry, it's gor- it's gorgeous Gary Young. I'm sorry, I miss, miss said his name. So, yeah, Jeff Gaylord I likes mem- Robin I Banks. Rem- I remember Gary Young. And I was like so excited to see him again because I for I completely he's one of those guys I completely forgot existed, and I don't know that he did anything other than this. I know he's he's probably been around for like ten years. I think he point. was like in USWA, and you know what the problem with Gary Young is 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 I know who he is, but I get him and Skip Young. I like meld them into a single human being. I don't even know who Skip Young is, but I remember Gary Young, and I'm he. I remember a lot of the times he was just like a heel, but he was kind of like the face here in this match. Yeah, it's um, it's it's weird because they're kind of using Jeff Gaylord as a as a as a job guy here. Mm-hmm. I cut you off, Brad. Uh, the story you're about to tell is that Jeff Gaylord likes uh, certain criminal activities. Yes, uh, robbing <laughs> banks and the same bank. Uh, it, it takes a special type of person to keep robbing the same bank. I mean, I mean, let's let's be fair to Jeff Gaylord. He did wait for a few months so they'd have more money. Uh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> it worked the first time. Why wouldn't it work again? What was what was that? Um, oh. What, I'm trying to think of the show where it's like, oh no, we just robbed that bank a little bit so that we, oh, I'm trying to think of what show that was. Where they were robbing banks, like, no, we just robbed that bank a little bit so we could come back and rob it for real or something like that. But I don't remember what that was. I don't know. 
Oh, well, it's not important. Um, so this was, this was a quick tag, but I, so, uh, someone else I really love in professional wrestling is the hustler Rip Rogers. So Rip Rogers, I think had, he might have been around, uh, at this point, but I think, I, I think you'd done some WCW by this point. I only really remember him from this run in global. And then he was around like in WCW just as like a job guy. Um, but I loved, I loved him as part of like the cartel, which that was, yeah. uh, that was GWF's like big, uh, stable or faction. And it was a heel group. And this is, this is actually a fascinating group. If you, if in my opinion, it's, no one ever, it, you know, we had talked about once about doing like staples that are like kind of under the radar, or not really well known or remembered. This would have made the list. Um, it was Rip Rogers, who for most of his entire career was like a, a nobody, even though uh, kind of like after he basically hung up the boots in ring, he's gone on to train like a lot of guys. Like he was, he was an OVW. He helped train uh like Cena. Yeah. Batista, Randy Orton. He he helped train like a lot of guys. So his his imprint upon the wrestling business is a lot it's a lot more um than you think it is. And he it, he kinda mm-hmm. like um Terry Garvin, aka Terry Sims, went on to become mm-hmm. like more famous post wrestling for like their social media presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terry Sims was another one. He wasn't in the cartel, but he was he was like in GWF and he actually was he became like a pretty good face um in the promotion. But anyway, the cartel was Rip Rogers, it was Mockin Singh, who we talked about in the last episode. And it was also uh Scotty Scotty the Body. Yep. Who was uh aka Scotty Anthony, aka Scotty Flamingo, aka Johnny Polo, better known as Raven. Yep. A very young Raven. This is like when he was first starting out in the business. This is like fresh off of Portland. No, he's probably still working in Portland. Yeah. Time. And then the final person in the stable was none other than Cactus Jack McFoley. This is this might be the first exposure I had to Cactus Jack because after after Global, he was more dedicated in uh, in WCW, even though he had been in WCW before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Cactus had kind of been he'd been kind of a Texas mainstay for a couple of years at this mm-hmm. point. Was that the uh the time in his career when he carried a bullwhip around but never never used it? Mm, I don't recall that. Okay. I remember it was in his book. He commented on it, but uh, I I couldn't for the life of me, I can't put a finger on where it was that he had it. It might might have been like World Class or USWA. Okay. I'm just... um, What I thought was nice here, and I think Shad commented on this, like Rip Rogers did a majority of the work and then um, Muck and Sing came in and would like do the big guy stuff and then he got the pin but what i thought was a nice touch and i think you need to see what feels more i really loved rip and muck and sing like high-fiving each other after they won yeah they they seemed very like they they behave very much as a team um the thing that i that that i i really liked in this is like you said rogers did most of the match and Singh did a little bit of bumping, but it was very clear that Singh was the big force to be reckoned with in this match. Um, and I'd have to watch it a few more times to like fully get a hand on get a handle on why. Um, it, it, I mean, he is, but to be able to to describe it the way I, I feel like I should. I'd have to watch this a number more times in order to really. I think what, I think what really helped them too, is that uh, Gary Young and Jeff Gaylord played their roles really well because they were veteran, especially Gary Young. I thought Gary Young was surprisingly like very good in this. Mm-hmm. So then up next, 
Lightning Kid defeated Dapper Dan in a squash. This was like supposedly his debut match. They talked about the lightning bolts in his hair. Um, <laughs> Dapper Dan should have used FOP. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get a no brother where art thou joke very often. So this was, I mean, this was, this just existed. It was a squash match. Lightning yeah. Kid looked pretty good. Um, so then we get up next, we get a TV title tournament recap. So we get the, the coin toss thing again, which I still don't really like. So then um, we get the Patriot versus Conan Chris Walker for the first match. For some reason, Buddy Landell interfered in this one, and I don't really understand why, but he did. Because I guess he's Buddy Landell and he just has to <laughs> get involved. He can't leave well enough alone, right? Yeah. So, Shad, you said you hadn't had a, a lot of Buddy Landell exposure before this? No, I really hadn't. It's There's a few guys who I know are out there, and I know they're perfectly capable. They just they they, they haven't crossed my path much. So... So then our finals, obviously, the Patriot beats Buddy Landell to win the GWF TV title. So what did you think as someone that, like, hadn't seen a lot of Buddy Landell? I know this was clipped up pretty bad, but I, th- I think yeah. it was... I think it, you could see that the exoskeleton of what was probably a good match, and I thought Buddy was really a good foil for the Patriot. The thing, the thing that I liked about it was that... Um, Buddy served as a re- he he fed in to the Patriot very well, you know. Patriots out there doing and and it's not. I don't want anyone to mishear me. It's not like uh, Patriots bad or or not capable or anything. Patriot, you know, does a very good job here. He's he's just he's still uh, just just a little. Just a little, maybe just a touch green. He's only three years in at this point. Right, right. So he's he's doing, you know, he's doing great. But Landell feeds into him just right. You know, it's it. The Patriots not just running roughshod over him all the time, but he's he's selling and feeding into the Patriot very very well. So, um, you know, that, and like you said, this is kind of chopped up, so it's kind of hard to tell, but it's, it's good stuff. I like it. So, um, I think, I think we, we could talk about him now. He has, he's still, there's more Patriot on this show, but this is kind of their magnum opus. Like you can think what you want about the GWF, but there's one thing that I think you can't take away from them is that they created a legitimate star in the Patriot. Yeah, they did. Uh, when I was watching this as a kid, the Patriot was probably my favorite. He was, um, he was. I mean, he was a good worker. I felt like he, looking at the work he did elsewhere, like he was. After this, he popped up in WCW, uh, where he was kind of just more like a mid card guy. But he did have a like a tag title run with Bagwell as Stars he, and Stripes. He got mm-hmm. a push in WWF against Bret Hart, like right before he, he did. got hurt. Yeah, yeah. He was actually pushed, uh, kind of like up into the, well, I, I don't, not quite main event status, even though he was, he did have that brief feud with with Bret Hart, um, but he was definitely like upper mid card, and he was a solid worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, he probably would have had a little more success there. Um, it's a little surprising. I could also see why he might, <laughs> might not have been done well there long term just because Vince doesn't like masks apparently <laughs> and the tide was changing I don't know what they would have quite done with him in the Attitude Era yeah, yeah. plus uh, I had to look up where well where um, Del Wilkes Del Wilkes who is the Patriot is from but he had a very thick accent yeah he did he's okay I looked it up he's, he's from Columbia South Carolina which is actually oh, not yeah. far I... that's actually that's not far from uh, Augusta, Georgia, where my family's from. And yeah, like they have very thick uh, southern accents. Like he was a good talker, but I mean his his southern accent clearly shone through, which for most of his career like wasn't a big issue. But you know, Vince doesn't yeah. like Vince doesn't like to be reminded of his own southern roots. Yeah, yeah, um, unless unless you're uh, Brody Lee, apparently. 
Yeah, then your your career yeah. is torpedoed because you can't do it. you can't pull off a southern accent. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not it's not it's not an oft talked about run, but I, I love him as the trooper in the AWA. I remember that actually. And I was actually a fan of the trooper. Even though yeah. when I when I saw some of that AWA footage of the trooper, it was in like the early nineties on ESPN, years after the promotion even had even folded, so Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Chad, it's him without the mask doing like just a state trooper gimmick, feuding just with just state um, trooper gimmick. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and he's feuding with uh, Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. Okay. Which is probably the destruction crew of Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom is a great gimmick because essentially they do promos and Wayne Bloom never lets Mike Enos talk, and it's great. <laughs> I would need to go look that up because. My memory of Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom was them getting squashed on an episode of Thunder. Oh no, they they were they were like the tag team to beat in like the last year or so of the AWA. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the... they're, they're also they're also the Beverly Brothers in WWE. That's probably okay. who would most remember them. They have, yeah. I mean, they they never won the tag titles, but they did have like a two or three year run where they were, you know, one of the consistent tag teams there okay some good matches with the steiners yeah i was um one of the things in in i'm gonna lose my train of thought here i want to uh we were you're talking about the patriot earlier in his his um wwf run the thing that that gets me in that is i he seemed out of play like you know he's there and he's feuding with Bret Hart because of course he did but at the time whenever I started watching back in the day you know because I that was right around the time when I got started watching and of, of course I don't I don't know any of the history but I it was it kind of seemed to me like the Patriot was a gimmick that was made and put on someone as like a placeholder for feuding with Bret Hart. Like it, it seemed out of place. Yeah. Now I, I know would, that's, I, I'm, that. I know it's not, that's not the case, but that's what it seemed like, you know, to a fresh set eyes at the time and be like, Oh, okay. So Bret's out here bashing America. And then they, they dress up an America guy and send him out there. So, you know, they can do this thing. Um, and and I think he, you know, watching him here, I, the guy's, you know, the guy's good. He's, you know, like I said, he's not, he's not quite polished. And even his, um, his promo kind of struck me the same way because they had him do a promo a little later on. Is that it's it's good, it's just kind of basic. Now, like there's nothing did- wrong with it. The, but that it's... promo, that promo had a big pet peeve of mine. What's that? He is the TV champion, and he was just talking about winning the TV championship, and he did not have the belt. That is a big. If you are the champion on the TV, unless it's like a backstage segment where you're getting jumped or jumping someone, if you're doing a promo or coming to the ring, you should always have your belt. Always. Yeah, I agree with that. Because otherwise, it makes it seem like you don't care. Exactly. But he's cutting this promo about caring about being the champ. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. So this leads up to, so they do like an actual match. I don't know if this was a repeat or if this was like a fresh match. So then, um, this is actually a guy that is a guy that you remember if you see him pop up, but really never gets talked about a lot unless you're like deep into like those old like fan message boards. But so... He defends the TV title successfully against Hollywood John Tatum. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember Hollywood John Tatum. Yep. Uh, who uh, who famously was... I don't think they were married. He was dating Missy Hyatt before Eddie Gilbert hit the scene, and he pretty much just said, like, yeah, I knew the second they laid eyes on each other, like, there was nothing I could do. <laughs> That's got to be an awful feeling. Yeah. So this was so this was I would say this match isn't much of anything, but there this is like 
John Tatum really stooges well in this match and really makes Patriot look good mm-hmm. in a losing effort. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I, I will admit, I, I know I admitted it to you guys before, but I will admit that uh, for some reason in my head, you know, they're talking about him setting up the Patriot missile. I kept waiting for the Patriot missile to be missile dropkick. And it's not, but for some reason I kept waiting for it to be. And then I was like, oh, that's not what that is at all. Where did I get, how did I get this in my head? I have no idea. I, I think I probably would have thought that. When you think the Patriot missile, you don't think of. You don't think like a shoulder block off the top rope. Yeah, that. I don't know. It's it's it. It, we, it falls into the weird place for me of finishers that I'm of the opinion probably should not be finishers. Like they're and and it run for me. It's I don't know what it is. Or I've got this mindset about stuff. Like I think what you would have been better off be with the, If it had been a top rope clothesline, I think it would have been better. Yeah, um, I, I run afoul of it's like, okay, that I don't feel like that ought to be a finisher because that's not like big enough or or whatever. It is still it is it is 1991 though, so I mean you're still dealing by like 1980s. Yeah, it, it, I run afoul of this most with Japanese stuff, but it, it's it's a different um, it's a different kind of build for stuff there, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, John Tatum is probably most famous for his UWF run. He did some USWA, I think some world class. Um, what do you know him primarily by, Matt? I feel like I know him, well, from Global, obviously. Um, Probably the best from Global, but I also feel like I saw him maybe in, like, USWA. Okay. Which, at that point, was actually more, like, towards the end of his career. Yeah. At least the last half of his career, yeah. Yeah, this is probably towards the end of it. Okay, so then... You you know what, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like final thoughts on John Tatum. I think you said it best. Like he, he wasn't like fantastic, but he was just like a good heel that, you know, you could just like stooge and you just get annoyed by him, which is makes him an actually an effective heel. Cause you just wanted, you wanted the face to just like punch him. Yeah. It's uh, his type is someone I think that's lost in the current, like the current world. Like you don't have those guys that are perfect for like a regional promotion to like mid card. Like, mm-hmm mid-range of a show and get the point across like i feel like he's kind of like a lost art form and i feel like um wild bill Irwin also fills that mold and like a black bart who joins the uw who joins the gwf later so then this is where shad said it got a little weird so then we get chaz um defeating the california blonde and pretty much a nothing match Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm could not figure out why this was the last match on the card instead of the Patriot match. Yeah, I don't know either. And then we also get a Muck and Sing and Rip Rogers promo, which um Muck and Sing can really talk. So can Rip, yeah. I mean. Muck and Sing can talk. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with you, like uh because, I, like I said, I watch some other TV other than these episodes, and um, the cartel is very intriguing to me. It's a very interesting stable. So what did you guys think of the second episode? I know we didn't have anything as good as, like, Lightning Kid or Jerry Lynn. Um, I thought this was a more standard TV episode, though, but I thought it was still entertaining for the most part. Uh, I would agree. I didn't think the wrestling aspect of it was as good, but it was it was entertaining in the sense that you got to see a lot of different guys that you probably had not been exposed to, or, or for a lot of people probably had not been exposed to them. For us who were like hardcore, like we've we've seen some of these guys before or had heard about them. Um, 
but it was it was unique and it was again it was kind of just like easy watching and that's kind of like the story of GWF. It wasn't the best promotion out there, but it was just kind of easy to watch. It's it's, it's kind of I, I would kind of call it like a junk food promotion. Yeah, it's not it's not um particularly nutritious, but it's fun to consume and it's easy going, so I like that term. It it's there um it's like a lot of books that you still see being sold on the uh, the news rack at the grocery store. They're brain candy. There's not a whole lot substantial to them, but they're still enjoyable enough. It's like a pulp novel. Yeah. Well, some pulp novels are... are some pulp novels like really work in in their series, and then some of them is... It's basically the same thing over again, just with a different antagonist. Which is a, you know, um, funny side thing. I, I read a bunch of Doc Savage novels five or six years ago, just on a whim. Uh-huh. And, wow, they really, uh, creators of Superman obviously read a lot of Doc Savage when they made Superman. Because guess who <laughs> had the Fortress of Solitude before Superman did? Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole Boy Scout like image and stuff like um, they obviously didn't just like directly rip things off like Bob Kane did with Batman of the Shadow. But, you know, well, uh, Superman was not exactly very, uh, very Boy Scout early on in his run. Oh, and he was Batman. Uh, Batman just straight up murdered people for like the first year. Yeah. Superman didn't do that, but um he what was the he had a i think there was one where he 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 had a i'd have to go find i think my brother probably has it now we had a we had a hardbound collection of like the first 10 superman issues or something where he had like this he had a mob boss or something that he grabbed and would jump he was jumping over the buildings in town trying to scare the crap out of him and he's he's all he's got is he's got a hold of the guy the 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 neck of the guy's coat and shirt, and he jumps up the top of the one building. He gets up there. He's like, oh oh no, I didn't quite make it. I guess we're going down. And the guy's like freaking out. That's not Superman. But well, we should we should probably explain like early Superman didn't fly. He just jumped really far. Well, yes, he he could jump tall buildings in a single bound. Yeah, it's oh. where it came from. But it was it was a. And in slight viewing recommendation for anyone listening, if you want a good, like, quick cartoon to run through, the 1940s Superman movie serial, like, shorts are really good. Not, like, the, the live action, but, like, the cartoon. The Max Fleischers. Yeah. Mm. They really are, good. yes, they are on uh, Amazon. If you if you have uh, Prime, you can watch, there's, like, 12 of them. Warning! There's a couple of them that you can tell they were made around World War II because they get super racist about uh, a couple of Japanese things. Yeah, uh, they're, they're very, they're very, they're very good. Um, they're very good little short cartoons. Yes, and you you can have a lot of um, you can have a lot of fun with the uh, you know the guy with the robots. And you know, there's one that's got robots, and there's there's one that's got a, um, you know, he's got a, a death ray and and stuff like like you know, there's some pretty standard. They're kind of basic, but that's because it was this was early Superman stuff um, that are still fun to watch. And like you said, what they're only about ten minutes or so. Yeah. Now I have to make an admission. So we I've been I've been watching some of the stuff. I watched some stuff in preparation for it. And um, pretty soon into this, I went out and I bought, like, all the DVDs for the GWF. Off of <laughs> I got, like, a 94-disc DVD set of it. So Good lord, uh, man. <laughs> I'll be diving deeper into this on the side. Oh, so there's okay. there's two sets you can get online. There is there's a smaller set that's mostly the ESPN stuff, and then there's the bigger set that has everything. And um, the bigger set is harder to find someone that has it. Right. 
So if you if you decide to go look for it, you want the bigger ninety four DVD set. Okay, that's that is a lot to watch. Wow. Oh yeah, it, it'll, it'll be a while, but um, I'll make it through it. <laughs> All right. So it's an easy watch, though. I, I figure I'll blow through that pretty quick because it's a pretty it's a pretty easy watch. And like we didn't even get to like the Eddie Gilbert booking run that's supposed uh, to be really good. I suppose that's fair. Well, guys, I think that'll about wrap it up for this one, won't it? I'd say so. All right. Well, we would love to hear from everybody on uh, on our social media. Um, you got questions? You want to give some opinion on some uh, on some of the stuff? You know, anything like that? We would love to hear from you. Um, and with that, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time. <laughs>